0: Welcome. Bonjour. Vous écoutez le podcast Dirty Feet sur les ondes de No More Radio.
1: You're listening to the Dirty Feet podcast on the No More Radio Network.
2: Nous sommes vos animateurs
0: et animatrices. We are your hosts, Allison Burns,
2: J.D. Papillon
0: et Stéphanie Morin-Robert. Listen in. Écoutez.
2: We're going to move you.
1: This is a special Fringe edition of the podcast.
0: One of several episodes recorded while touring the circuit of the Canadian Association of Fringe Festivals during the summer of 2015. Fringe festivals showcase non-curated theatre, dance, and other forms of art. You can learn more at fringefestivals.com.
1: Next, we're going to be speaking with Pepper Fajans from the Brooklyn Touring Outfit. Uh, they're bringing a show called Co-Venture to the Fringe. And uh, as you may suspect, they are from Brooklyn. And uh, this is a pretty um, spectacular work uh, in, in in the sense that it is an important work for, I think, the dance community. And I hope for, for the community at large as well. The subject centers around... Um, the narrator, David Vaughn, who is the archivist for the Merce Cunningham company. And it's basically a conversation between Pepper and David about, uh, Merce and about, um, their personal relationship to one another, their relationship to Merce. And it touches, it talks a lot about dance with quiet moments of dance itself. And then some multidisciplinary elements that are very subtle and sparse and effective. So anyway, that's, uh, my perspective on the show. Pepper, thanks for being here today.
2: It's wonderful to be in Montreal.
1: So I would love to start with, uh, why you made this show.
2: David and I began to know each other uh, beyond colleagues on the final Merce Cunningham world tour. This was after he died and the company was intending to close. And this was the last, uh, large world tour uh, and I was assigned to help him or enable him to go on this world tour he's 91 he was 87 at the time and as we went on these venture adventures around the world we started going on side trips to to museums to sites to dinner to breakfast and the conversations that began to unfold about why we were on this tour at all, what the Cunningham technique was doing for the dance world, why the company was being shut down, what that meant for dance and what that meant for New York became our topic of conversation. And as we began to unpack that, we were unpacking this shared reverence for dance period, but also for this particular era of dance and the collaborative examples that were set by uh, the folks who were working from you know, the forties and the fifties and Merce, John Cage, Robert Rauschenberg, Jasper Johns, all the way until now and how those collaborations have continued. So I really wanted to take David's and I, con- David, David and my conversation and, uh, bring that into a theatrical format to uh, to demonstrate why this was important to two people who had come to know Merce and know this work from very different upbringings I think that we cross paths in a very unlikely way and I am impressed both by him and by my own willingness to become a friend of his and his interest in becoming a friend of mine
1: can I dig further into the into why you put it on stage rather than write it down or record it or you know because it it is an expansion of the conversation is what is on stage?
2: Well, David has had this long on and off Broadway career and he's he's very modest about that, but he's a fantastic performer and what I started observing along the tour uh, pretended tended to be during the the lectures and the interviews. He would be sitting in front of a group and they would throw him a question. And seeing him answer that question in these um, most carefully selected tangential ways, bringing his responses back to the main question and seeing how he unpacked these ideas in front of uh, groups of very interested individuals, that first intrigued me. He has a wonderful voice and... He has a very unpretentious relationship to this work. Most people speak about it with, uh, with this almost religious-like reverence, and he speaks about it so clearly and so plainly in, in the best of ways that I wanted to uh, expand on that capability of his. And then our own conversations, when we sit down and talk, people often say, man, you two got quite a rapport. This is very interesting to watch you two talk about this because we're very different in where we come from. And to see us speaking, uh, not that I can see us speaking, but I saw the reactions from, from folks and in, decided I wanted to feature that to some extent. Then there's also uh, this physical trust that we've developed from pushing him in a wheelchair that I wanted to bring out onto the stage and demonstrate that physically that he trusts me to compose a show around him and he's not worried that it's going to come crashing down on his head.
0: And as far as the intergenerational collaboration and in these discussions um how much of the context or the background of that does the audience have to know to be able to dive into this world and have an understanding of what's what's happening the context the theme
2: well I'd start with those who do know uh, well the history of Cunningham it adds to their story but for those who don't know they see uh, an unlikely Friendship, And they see people who choose their words differently and who have different accents. And they're noticing that that's the important part. They don't really need to know who Merce is. They they see that we're both passionate about something and that it's that that has brought us together. And that relationship between he and I becomes intriguing uh, without knowing who, who Merce is because we're both, so energized by all that has come from that world of dance
0: and within this world of dance that you're recreating reminiscing reminiscing um, you have other collaborators you've been working with maybe you can talk a little bit about that uh, let's begin maybe with the sound design
2: yes Joey Wolfslaw, an mm-hmm. incredible sound designer and talented beyond that which includes wardrobe and scenic design as well as a performer himself he responded immediately to aspects of, of Cage's work and the use of silence and um, non-orchestral music and creating an environment, taking, taking sound away. In a lot of instances, it's actually the removal of very subtle tones and you're left with this absence. And in that moment, it heightens your focus what Merce was working with um in, in the greatest of ways and John as well um was, was looking at the model of for example in ballet, um uh grande jeté, and the orchestra follows that bum bada ba 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 pa. And you know that that's coming several steps before it arrives. But for the music to, or for the sound to do something uh, completely different, it's jarring, it's shocking, and it brings your attention directly to that moment. So taking out the uh, the guidance that mm-hmm. um, music often provides for steps and instead allowing an environment to intrigue your your sense of how these things relate, the sound and the movement. Hmm. So Joey was um, working with sometimes sampled pieces and then uh, a lot of uh, tonal mixtures. Then there is Maiko Kikuchi, who was not able to come to Canada due to her artist visa. She's Japanese and she cannot... Come back into the United States after she leaves. But she contributed this wonderful perspective. She sat and observed David and I speaking, hanging out, and I brought her into a a kind of collaboration in which I would lay uh, far too much information out in front of her and then ask her what she noticed and what she responded to and what intrigued her. She's got an incredible visual eye. She's an excellent designer and... and um, sculptor, and object theater maker, new to performing herself, but a very good performer and very clear, not an ambiguous kind of a designer. So she chose these particular images that she was responding to, and this is where it relates back to David and I. She was intrigued by our conversations, so I allowed her to respond to the nature of he and I engaging in conversation. Then there's Christopher Green, who is a is a friend of both Maiko and myself, and we have all worked in object theater together, and he's got another very different, very cutting perspective, the kind that we need that I couldn't see from the inside, and Maiko, for language uh, issues, cannot uh, entirely articulate. And he would come in and ask questions that might be the kind that a dramaturg would bring up, but it was also about the context of what we're doing in New York. He's in his mid forties and he's seen art, uh, art change in the last several decades and bringing in his perspective about why any of this is significant or not, Mm -hmm. or what might be redundant, uh, is very important. And he's, he's removing redundancies and helping us feature the most important parts those, that's really the main team.
0: Going back to the concept of of, of Will Cage's work and the inspiration behind that, and the and also the I I haven't seen the show, so I I'm actually it's quite interesting to have this conversation and then see it afterwards. Um, but there's something really interesting about silence and and time, in in this sense of I, I don't know if it's it's almost uh, from an exterior point of view, it could almost be. Uh, the different stages, I guess, of of you being a younger version of of David almost, you know? Um, I don't know if that's something that's maybe not at all in the show, but that these are images that are coming to me before having seen it.
2: I would also say this about the collision of image and sound. We don't question when we're sitting in nature, in a park, and we hear these different birds communicating and the laughs of children and the, the motorcycle going by and and we see these colorful collages of people running of airplanes gliding and there's some harmony that comes from that and we look at the sun and it's a beautiful moment and it's a beautiful day but when we're in the theater we need we need the music to indicate what the steps are going to do or or vice versa um, I when I really got to know Merce I relaxed and began to watch performance in that same way that you might sit in a park and take it all in
1: you've also talked about the the lights that way too that you create the work in a in a place that was naturally lit and then to have to adjust to to the stage, uh, maybe that's a nice segue to to talk a bit about your studio.
2: Yes, we created this piece in Brooklyn Studios for Dance, which is a new studio in Clinton Hill in Brooklyn. It's a space that I have developed in cooperation with the Cadman Congregational Church, an active but dwindling uh, congregation in the heart of Brooklyn that has served the Clinton Hill and Fort Greene communities for since 1923. Uh, they had a defunct gymnasium in their building, and I, I work with them. I'm their custodian, and I propose to them uh, an idea about developing a dance studio and bringing modern dance into the building. There's a rich history of collaborations between Churches and dance organizations in New York. you have Judson, you have St. Mark's. And the space, this gymnasium, it's got these wonderful uh, light, uh, wonderful windows that face to the west. and as the sun begins to pass the midpoint in the sky, the light starts to cast across that room, and it's brilliantly bright. The room was brown and yellow and cracked and had not been repainted since 1923, and I general contracted a build-out in which we applied 80 gallons of paint, high-quality, very bright white paint, and the ceiling is a mixture of white paint and deep black fabric so you have this kind of starry abyss above and we manufactured designed and manufactured our very own sprung floor and built that on site and finished that in this very um, medium gray all of the trim is also a medium gray medium to light I would say and it's around the windows it carries the light in in a way that the same way that One puts a little mascara around the eyes to bring out their brilliance. So in taking this space and designing it around the light, we had a most wonderful environment to design this work. The floor itself is 30 feet by 60 feet. And in that crystalline environment, everything is nearly on a pedestal, even in the process. So we were able to relax and hide behind nothing and unpack these slow, contemplative ideas and develop them into the material that we then cut back with Maiko and with Chris. We developed many hours of material and then cut that back. And bringing that into a black box or into a black space and seeing how the, the, the elements of the set which are all raw wood punch against the, the black wings and the black backdrops and how our, our own costumes again punch away from that it, it takes the most essential elements that we've uh, distilled from this process and allow them to float in that little black abyss
1: uh, more more
2: Happily, Um, technique used to be uh, integral to the dancer, going to class regularly, maybe multiple times a day, and I feel that it's uh, less attended. It certainly is in New York. People don't take class the way that they used to. And the era of Cunningham uh, has been rejected by many as being too formal, and that's moved into other techniques and other practices but it also also has uh, created a, a culture of of anti-class or anti-technique and i am i allowed to ask you a question Sure <laughs> how how does how does technique stand in Montreal do people appreciate Cunningham do they reject it do they care i mean or or, or Graham or Horton or anything do do people care about these techniques
0: It's an interesting question I think I, I could definitely relate to the fact that there's less and less people in the technique class and i I I guess personally as a as a choreographer and dancer I, I don't um, I've never come from that 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 background of 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 feeling that technique was super important to my work i think it is a base that that has to be there but it's not something um
1: yeah i think there's a lot of people practicing alternative forms of technique like like doing doing other workouts or or yogas and and things like that and and doing the the technique that they need for the work that they're making and not necessarily training in in a specific style if that's not the style that they're working with and There are a lot of classes offered around town and The philosophy to it tends to be to switch up the the teachers frequently Short workshop periods or, or a week at a time with a different professor to just try and get people dancers versatile
2: versatility is what it's all about Merce figured out his technique through yoga I mean a lot of it is based in yoga, but also responding to his ballet training and his work in the Graham company uh, the technique class, which is often very rigid uh, or I should say appears to be rigid, is because it's it's limiting, but so is any good puzzle. Mm-hmm. You have to figure it out within the context of of uh, of those limits it's not like there are rules, but if you're given a certain number of steps and a certain sequence and it is your job to get across the floor it really provides anybody an opportunity to develop and I think the major difference that uh, between ballet and Merce's uh, technique is that ballet is often talking about the position of the body and Merce was far more interested in the opposition within the body So to see a 45-year-old or a 50-year-old in Cunningham technique, and that was the case, I mean, there were 70-year-olds taking class, and even if they couldn't make the shapes, you could still see that they were firing the sequences in their brain, and they were sequencing their own body as best they could, and then you see the 20-year-old's um, you know, flying like show horses, and you see that relationship, and you see that lineage and Merce himself at the end was teaching class from his wheelchair, and he was able to speak the steps, and the room would understand I believe that this technique is just uh is as important as any somatic practice or Pilates or yoga it's it's as it's as ancient as, as them in its importance. It just happens to be happens to come from this uh, this world of modern dance that is contested in, in its revolutions and its choreographers.
0: And and Pepper, what about what about you having, you know, done, you know, world tours and then and then coming and now you're focusing on your own work. Do you feel do you feel that your training has shifted at all? Are you going to different places to get different techniques or elements, or are you still in, um, are you continuing to push your training as far as, as uh, researching the MERS technique?
2: Well, I'm, I'm very fortunate to, to be directing this dance studio in New York. I should say that I'm the founding director of Brooklyn Studios for Dance. And in that way, I've been able to invite scores and scores of teachers of different kinds that range from, um, techniques that are not movement based to things like butoh mm-hmm. to, um, Limon, which maybe for, for folks seems cl- too close to Cunningham, but is so different to techniques, to release techniques, to somatic techniques. And I take it all in my own project in the work of should say my work is to try to take each and every class that comes through that studio and let my body be uh, a place for that work to accumulate. I love the formality of uh, a, a Cunningham class, but I also bring in folks from that company who have began to explore variations of that and who use the body in slightly different ways, but maintain the structure of the class Mm -hmm. and use the hips differently, for example, Uh, and seeing how the, 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 the younger, or I should say the, the last um, members of that company who are still um, brilliantly capable, who've gone on to companies like Trisha Brown and such, how they, are now interpreting that work and what it means to them and how it has um, rocketed them forward. I'm, I'm more interested in in that and how we respond to these things uh, as, as practicing dancers. There's nothing, there's no dance step that's bad to investigate, you know, it's bad to strain your joints um, against your better anatomy. But you look at David he was taking class. I mean, when we were on the final world tour, David was taking class, certainly at a bar, and he would certainly have to step away once uh, the center work was complete. But his version of it is just as valid as mine or any other.
0: Do you feel a certain responsibility?
2: Absolutely. I think there are not a lot of advocates mm-hmm. on on a, a most basic dancer level it's it's become the mission of the Cunningham Trust to continue this work but that is a licensing agency and they do offer one class at 1215 at City Center in Manhattan uh, but that is not easy for everybody to get to and I want the dance communities anywhere to know that this is not just a a textbook thing or this is not just a a thing of the past that we each (laughs) reject, you know, because that's what you do when you come up through dance school. Um, I mean, the first time I saw the Cunningham Company, I I, I still have the, the essay that I wrote on that, and it was... It was neither positive nor negative. It was just pure intrigue as to why this would be done at all. And I hope that people continue to ask that question. People are doing it for a reason. And it's not to be totally thrown out uh, as ancient history.
1: (laughs) I I saw the farewell tour when it came through Montreal. And uh, my reaction to it was uh, that I'd seen it all before, but I'd seen it all before because everyone's using it everyone's borrowed and, and built on it since since Merce started?
2: Well, it's very good to watch the the most current company. And then it's extra credit if you go back and look at the video, the films, and you go all the way back. And to see Merce dance his own solos, it looks nothing like his company. Hmm. And he was using that process on his own body to maintain curiosity for himself all his steps were always set but you watch him dance and he just looks like a a wild animal exploring the stage exploring how interesting it, it is to not do the same thing after the same thing after the same thing. I should say, um, you know, a sequence of of movements uh, just for the sake of sequencing them but figuring out ways to break that up for his own mind and for his own curiosity. And it's really, in the end, it's not even about the the steps. It's not even about the technique. It's about um, continuing to, uh, continuing your own curiosity by breaking up uh, habits and patterns and that often comes through a clear technique or a clear indication of of steps to explore not because you should do those steps because but because it it shows you where your strengths are and and what you can develop beyond that it's It's something to respond to, not something to so specifically do. So to borrow from it isn't always to borrow from the look of it, but it's to borrow from um, chance procedure, indeterminacy, and, um, and it's also highly rhythmic. It's training, it's training rhythm, rhythm beyond, uh, a four, four or any sort of even, even measure. I mean, so many of the exercises in class are on an, a nine or a 12 or a 17 or, or something that's complicated and, and really gets your brain firing. It, it It's asking you to move parts of your body with some degree of independence, but still with, on a rhythm structure. So they're there is something um, that you're trying to somewhat impossibly attain. And in that pursuit, you're beginning to exercise. I mean, it's just exercise in the end. You're gonna walk out of a, of a, of a strong class, pushed so far beyond your limit, and you come back the next day and you're that much better. And you, and you do that for years, and you, you grow into a highly capable, individual who can reach much farther than they thought they ever could. But you're only going to do that if you are spurred outside of your comfort. And I think people often look at this, at these steps as uncomfortable. I, I know that people say that to me all the time, but then you look at the dancers who have found ease within these steps and have found freedom. And you see these various generations of the companies company members and the way that they find joy in these steps and when you see how brilliant they are on stage looking at each other there's no there's no direction for the face i mean very few of the dances have direction for the face so the dancers are just allowed to be happy when they are depressed if they are enjoying each other's company on stage you watch the, the final company and you can even um, you can see the final performances that were at the Park Avenue Armory in New York and the high quality of, of uh, camera that captured uh, those last performances and the subtlety, the inflection on their faces. It's pure joy. They're, they're actively thinking. They're not confined by these specific steps. They're, they're speaking brilliantly through them and speaking to each other through them. There's a lot of joy in, in the Cunningham technique. And, and it just takes uh, a devout pursuit to get to that place.
1: Well, thank you very much for this conversation. Um, we should bring this back to the fact that you do have a show at the Saint-Abois-Montreal Fringe Festival called CoVenture. Uh, the company is the Brooklyn Touring Outfit and uh, we've been speaking with Pepper Fajins, and your show is playing at the, the May or the May Venue 9, and uh, again dates can be found at montrealfringe.ca Thank you so much for joining us
2: Thank you so much for having us We love being here I cannot say that enough, and I also want to thank the venue who has been a spectacular nurturing group of technicians We would not be able to Bring this out so beautifully without them, and certainly to thank the fringe, because I I can't believe we've only been here for a week. I feel like I've been here for for a year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Dirty Feet Podcast is produced and hosted by et par Alison Burns,
0: J D. Pepion, and Stephanie Morin-Robert. We have Mainline Theatre, Montreal Improv Theatre, and Paul of Lalo to thank. Merci pour l'ajusté. Vous pouvez visiter notre site web, écouter les derniers épisodes, lire notre blog, nous aimer sur Facebook, et nous suivre sur Twitter. You can visit our
2: website, listen to past episodes, read our blog, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter.
0: Show us some love and help us spread the word. Montrez-nous un peu d'amour et aidez-nous à passer le mot.